guys. Welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast. My name is Courtney Loman. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you are happy and healthy wherever this quarantine has you sheltered. I want to say thank you to those that took the opportunity to go over and rate and review the podcast. If you've not done it, just go over to your podcast app and click the fifth star to the right. I would love to see five more people go and rate the podcast by the end of April. There is so much content to choose from these days, and I know that you love the Journey of Ruth podcast and that you would want to share it with the world. So please head over and give it that five-star rating. If you have a little more time, go ahead and leave us a review. Let others know exactly what you think about us and what you love most. I can't thank you enough for your continued support, and please help us reach that goal of five more ratings. A few weeks ago, you met my friend Chelsea, who's a missionary appointee to Spain with World Venture. You also met in that week friends of the podcast Darcy and Drew, and we spoke about their amazing company, Go Rings. As you heard in Chelsea's episode, she has partnered with Go Rings for the month of April. So now is your chance to head over to GoRings.com, check out their amazing and beautiful jewelry, and when you check out, use Chelsea's partner code, Get Chelsea to Spain. That's get Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-I, to Spain. When you do that, she will receive 30% of your purchase to help her reach her support goal. Today, guys, I have the chance to introduce you to Becky Getz. Becky has been on my dream guest list since I started the Journey Ruth podcast. And I know that now was the perfect time for her to share her story. Becky and I chat about her family's journey with grief and God's faithfulness as they walk through the life and the loss of their youngest son, Zach. I am so honored that she chose to share her story with us and introduce you guys to my friend, Becky. Well, guys, let me introduce you to my friend, Becky. Thank you so much for coming to talk with us, Becky. Of course. Thanks for having me, Courtney. So honored. Becky and I know each other from church and uh, ends up that we actually have a lot of connections like other than church. (laughs) We do. It's crazy. It really is crazy. Sometimes I'll be talking with my other friends and I'll say something. Oh, well, Becky, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, Becky gets, I know her. And I'm like, oh, of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) So I know a lot about you, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, I am married to David Getz. Um, I have three boys. I have two that are here on earth and one that is in heaven. Um, Micah is our oldest and he's 10. Josiah is our middle, who's seven. And Zach, um, who would be six now. Um, And I currently am a stay-at-home mom and do all those fun things that um, I'm blessed to do and be able to stay home with my boys. All those things that quarantine moms do. Yes, seriously. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. So you mentioned there that you have three sons. Yes. Um, do you love being a boy mom? I do. Tonight at dinner was like, oh my word, could not have been any more boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I may go lock myself in my bedroom. Oh no. And just hide. <laughs> no, it was super fun. They, they're just full of energy, full of life. And it's super fun to see them grow and become young men. That's so. good. Are you one that like can handle the grossness of boys? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think being a boy mom, you like, you just have to, like, you don't have right. an option to not handle it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you just have to do. <laughs> so You just got to yeah. pull up those bootstraps and that's keep right. Going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So tell us about Zach. Okay, so Zach um, was a an amazing little boy. Um, I know I'm his mom, and of course anyone would say that about their son, but he truly was an amazing little boy. Um, he, he really was, and I'm not his mom, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, from the day we found out um, he was going to be a special little guy um, to the day he went to be in heaven, he blew everyone away about um, his amazing attitude towards life, um, he was always happy, um, even through everything that he went through. He was always, he always had a positive attitude mm-hmm. in him. Like he never, um, 
he never let the hard things get to him. I mean, there were moments, but for the most part, he was just a content, happy little guy. Hmm. Yeah. Did he understand the hard things? I think as he got older, he started to understand the hard things more. Um, I think, you know, he was born with all the hard things, so he, he didn't really know any different. Yeah. So I think that definitely helped, you know, his perspective on life. Like he didn't know, like Micah, he's a healthy child. You know, he never knew pain. He never knew that suffering that Zach went through, you know, Mm -hmm. so for Micah to now have those things would be um, really hard for Micah, whereas Zach was born with a lot of those things. And Mm -hmm. I think that definitely helped, but I mean, it was hard, you know, he had to learn to live with a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Now you found out that Zach um, was going to have some of these issues in utero. Yes. Yeah. And you need to tell us about the emotions and the struggles that you faced when you found that out. Yeah. So when we first found out about Zach, um, I was 18 weeks pregnant and went for a routine ultrasound to find out if he would be a boy or girl. Mm -hmm. Um, While they were doing the ultrasound, the tech kind of got, you know, she slowed down in what she was doing and got real quiet and you know, we have two other healthy boys and yeah. obviously that did not happen with the ultrasounds with the other guys. Um, so I knew at that point something wasn't right. Um, mm. you know, your heart just kind of stops and you kind of think, Oh my gosh, like, is the baby alive? Is there like, what's going on? You know? Right. And, um, so she stopped at one point and said I, she had to go get the doctor. So we were just in there, just, I was in tears and, you know, we were just praying and just sitting there like, what is going on? And it seemed like, you know, an hour before the doctor came back, it probably wasn't, but it seemed like (laughs) forever. Um, so we just, you know, we just sat there and waited for the doctor to come in and, um, the doctor came in and said, um, they were seeing several things that were wrong with the baby. She explained some of them to us, but they had no idea really what was wrong with him at that point Mm -hmm. because they, you know, that was only our first anatomy ultrasound. Um, so they could only kind of see right. what they could see and they, they would need more testing. Right. And we'd have to go to specialists. Um, it was a week before we finally found out what his actual diagnosis was or what they thought was the diagnosis. Um, and even then, we had no idea really what um, was wrong with him other than, you know, the few things that they had mentioned. Okay. Um, so then after that, we, we had a lot of other, um, specialty visits for, you know, his heart and just a bunch of other, um, appointments yeah. to try to figure out what was going on. At this point, you know, the doctors are kind of obviously letting you guys know what's going on. They're letting you know this baby is different than your other two boys. You know, this pregnancy is going to be different than your other two boys. Did they ever suggest that you terminate Zach's pregnancy? (laughs) Yes. Um, After our first ultrasound appointment, they put us in a little consult room Mm -hmm. after they had told us stuff was wrong. And um, we waited there, which again, seemed like forever. Um, (laughs) The doctor came back and basically said, um, they weren't sure if the baby would even be born alive or even if it would make it through the pregnancy. Hmm. Um, and remember, this was only the first time that we had ever seen this doctor um, for this ultrasound. So it wasn't um, your normal doctor? No, this was a special okay. specialist, like an ultrasound place that okay. did special ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, we were like, okay, they didn't even – they weren't even sure what was wrong with him. They didn't notice everything that was wrong with him. Um, but when the doctor came into the room, she basically said, um, they suggest that we would just terminate the pregnancy. Um, and before she could even get the rest of her words out, mm-hmm. <laughs> David and I stopped her and said, no way. Like it doesn't matter what's wrong with the baby. It doesn't matter if we lose the baby in a week, a month, if I carry the baby full term and have to deliver him, um, 
and he's not alive, like that's not my choice. Like God mm-hmm. allowed us to get pregnant. We weren't trying. We weren't, you know, he allowed us to get pregnant. So obviously he had a reason for the baby. Mm-hmm. And obviously he created Zach the way he did. Yeah. Um, we don't know why he did it that way, but he did. Um, so we basically told her it wasn't an option um, and that we were just going to carry on and, um, you know, just do the best we could with what we had and um, yeah. go from there. Was that a discussion that you guys had had before that? I mean, you guys didn't really have the time to – you didn't know anything was wrong walking into that ultrasound, so it's not like – you were preparing yourself to have that discussion before that appointment, right. but is that something that you guys had had before a discussion? No, I mean, we've never sat down and talked about whether we would abort a baby or not. Mm-hmm. I think we just, both of our moral standards and values, like that's just not an option for us. Like mm-hmm. life is precious. Life is valuable. Like you don't just, we don't get to decide whether this baby gets to live or not. Mm-hmm. That's not our choice. Hmm. Yeah. So. Now, everything about Zach's birth and life was uncertain. So how did you find the strength to step into the unknown when it could, I mean, for some people, they're listening to even this portion of the story. You haven't, Zach hasn't even been born yet. And already the pregnancy sounds overwhelming. Right. For people. So it how was. Did, yeah. How, okay. So there you go. It was. <laughs> it was. None of this was easy. I know it seems like it sounds like we're making it sound so simple, but it, it really isn't. It was a day to day, you know, decision. And um, after we left that appointment, we were both in shock. We had no idea what was next. Mm-hmm. Um, we had planned a little gender reveal party actually that evening um, to, you know, reveal if it was a boy or a girl. So we actually didn't even find out it was a boy at that appointment. We decided to still wait and find out if we were having a boy or a girl that night. Um, Oh, okay. So we went ahead with the gender reveal. Um, We told our family that the baby may have some major medical issues. Um, But again, at that time, we didn't have really any information as to what his diagnosis was or what, you know, what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and we let him know that, you know, the baby may not make it. We have no idea, basically. Um, so he made the best of the night, and um, they just prayed for us. And we it was kind of special because we got cupcakes and had one cupcake that had the color in it. And my grandma actually got the cupcake that had blue inside of it. Aww. So everybody's biting into their cupcake super fast. And, sheer, <laughs> you know, nobody got the color. And there's grandma at the end of the table, like, unwrapping her cupcake, like, super slow. And we're like, grandma, <laughs> It was actually still pretty fun to do, but, um, so we made the first steps into that unknown. We had our family praying for us. Um, and shortly after we told some of our friends and they started praying for us and, um, it kind of just went from there. Like, I feel like that was our first step into being vulnerable and being open and telling people about our baby that we didn't even know anything about, you know, just, um, we knew we had to continue on in that scary unknown area because we had no choice. Um, and I think we found strength in God's promises to us that he will never leave us. He's always with us, even when we don't feel like he is. And those are moments where, you know, there were times where you're like, okay, God, like, where are you? Why are you doing this? What in the world is going on? Um, but with a ton of support from our family and friends, um, I think that helped us a lot to get that first step into the unknown and deal with it and figure out, okay, you know, now we got to take it minute by minute, you know, what, what's that next step into the unknown, you know? So, you know, you talk about how your family prayed for you and then your friends prayed for you. Why was prayer so important in this, this process? Well, I think for us, just knowing that, um, we know that we are not in control and having that foundation and knowing that we're not in control, that the only person that we could lean on and trust and know that was in control was God. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just 
no other option. Like I, I, I know there's so many people out there hurting and don't understand how we can have that trust and like, how can I lean on God, you know, but for us, that was our only option. Like I had no other option. Mm -hmm. You guys made this decision. And I know that then resulted in a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of specialist visits. And you guys chose to carry him full term. What happened? So we chose to carry him full term, yes. And we made it full term. There was a lot of um, touch and go through the pregnancy. I had some complications with high amniotic fluid and I was actually put on bed rest the last month that I was pregnant with him. Um, I actually kind of laughed at the doctor when she said, you need to be on bed rest. I'm like, uh, I have two other kids. <laughs> like, that's not really possible. But who were how with old at all that time? Of, um, they were, let's see, that would have been, okay, so Josiah was like 18 months. <laughs> and Micah was like four yeah. Okay. Ish. Doctor, I'll just so, lay in bed. Don't you worry. Right. Right. <laughs> so it was actually very humbling, a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, David made sure that I rested and did not get up. And, um, you know, we were concerned about the baby more than they were concerned about me, but, um, they were concerned about me too, I guess I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, um, so they, I had, I don't know how many different people who would come to my house and clean the house and make us dinner. And, you know, I laid on the couch while people did my laundry and, you know, I was trying to tell them, no, I can do this. I can do this on my own. I'm fine. But they would not let me do it on my own. And now looking back at that, I am super thankful that I had that support because I know there's so many people that don't have that. And, um, I really cannot take that for granted because that, really got us through, um, some of those really hard times. Mm. Um, so he was due around Christmas time, like mid December or so. And the doctors did not want me to have him around Christmas time because, um, with him being a very high risk delivery, um, they were not sure what to expect when he was born, if he'd have to rush into heart surgery or, um, GI surgery or whatever they had, mm-hmm. they really had no idea what to expect when he was born. Um, so we scheduled an induction and he was born December 10th, uh-huh. 2013. And they, um, he came out and there was a split second where he wasn't crying or anything. And I, I remember the doctors just like, you know, I don't know, whatever they do to try to get him to cry. And I heard that first tiny little whimper and like oh my gosh he's breathing like he's Mm. alive and they let me like they didn't even let me hold him like I got to see Mm. his face and like they put his cheek up against my cheek and and then they took him away because they had to figure out what was going on with him and um so at that point we were just all like okay you know he's breathing we don't know how for long you know how long he's gonna be breathing but he's Mm -hmm. breathing um and then I actually delivered in the morning sometime and I didn't get to actually go down to the NICU and see him until about six o'clock that oh, night. Man. So that was a really, really, really hard day. Yeah. That was a very hard day. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, they were able to keep him stable at, um, I delivered at Scottsdale Shea. So they kept him stable in that NICU. And then the next morning, they um, took him by ambulance to Phoenix Children's Hospital and, um, so that was day two. So then day three, he had his very first surgery on mm-hmm. his GI system. So, and that just kind of started, um, our life as medical parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you mind was... telling us once Zach was born and they were able to actually, you know, look at him and do the tests, do you mind telling us what it, what was his condition and what were you guys yeah, looking so at? He was born with a syndrome called Vactoral. Um, it's an acronym. So it's V-A-C-T-R-E-L. Okay. 
And each letter stands for something. I'm not going to explain it all because it's super complicated, but you can Google Bacterol and you can find out all sorts of information about it. (laughs) Um, But basically he had issues with every part of his body. Um, Mm -hmm. He was born with half of a heart. He was hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Um, He was born with complete tracheal rings. So your trachea is normally C-shaped. His was complete rings. Okay. And it was 0.9 millimeters. So the very first GI surgery that he had, they were not able to intubate him all the way because they didn't have a small enough ET tube. Wow. So I feel like every surgery, every first surgery that he had just opened up a door to, okay, now we have to deal with this. And, um, so he spent the first 17 weeks of his life in the hospital at PCH. Mm. Um, and then he actually came home on April 1st. They mm. put us in a, we had a care conference meeting with all the doctors and, um, we never thought we would hear the word home ever with him. And they mm. said, you know, I think you guys will be able to go home in a week. And we were like, excuse me. <laughs> um, we've been here for 16 weeks and there's been no real discussion of going home. And um, we had actually taken down his nursery because mm-hmm. I couldn't walk past it. I couldn't see it and know that I may never be able to bring this baby home mm-hmm. to the nursery. Yeah. Um, so when they told us going home, it was just kind of we were just kind of in shock. And then when they said, you're going home on April 1st, we were like, ha ha, like that's a real funny April Fool's joke. That's not something you joke about, but (laughs) they were totally serious. Um, And he actually did end up coming home on April 1st, 2014. So it was Mm. about 17 weeks after he was born. Okay. Wow. And that, I mean, (laughs) were you scrambling? Because no, you weren't bringing home a baby, you know, just la-di-da, putting him in the back seat. No. No. I mean, he he had. He was on oxygen, feeding tube, I mean, all sorts of stuff. We had 13 or 14 different medications that he was getting around the clock and a pulse ox checking his oxygen levels. and, um, And at that point, we had no idea that there was anything we didn't realize we could get home health services for him at that point. No one had talked to us about it in the hospital. Mm. Um, so we had been home with him for like six months and somebody asked us, Oh, don't you have a health, home health nurse? And we're like, um, I am a home health nurse. Like, what are you yeah, talking about? Right. <laughs> so, um, then we ventured into that unknown and trying to figure out, okay, what, you know, what kind of help can we get at home? Because I mean, we had two other kids, David's working, and through all of that, David actually started a new job the week okay. after Zach was born. And it was just really chaos. Um, and I, I, the only, looking back, I, the only way we got through it was our support system. Mm-hmm. I, and not having that support, I could not imagine getting through it. It would have been very, very, very difficult. Mm. Yeah. Well, the amazing thing is that Zach came home. Yes. Zach then just continued to grow and continued just like you were surprised and shocked that he was going to come home on April 1st. He continued to shock and surprise you guys. He did. (laughs) Oh, he did. (laughs) He did. Uh, How many surgeries did he have total? 18 total 18 total including his last one yep and basically every one of those surgeries I mean it it was life or death every single one oh yeah 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 Yeah. it was I mean every surgery he had we went in okay you know is this gonna be it or you know I mean there were some that weren't quite as you know it wasn't open heart surgery like he was born without thumbs Uh so they actually took on his right hand they took his pointer finger and they actually moved it to the position of his thumb to mm-hmm. create a thumb for him. So yeah. then he was able to hold a pencil and write and do all the stuff anybody else could do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, surgeries like that weren't as like, you know, life and death necessarily, but just cause he was a heart kiddo and going under anesthesia and mm-hmm. all that stuff, there was always, he was always at a higher risk. 
Yeah. Um, for complications. Now you so. talk about holding a pencil. You guys knew that Zach had this lowered immune system, but yes. you guys still chose to have him involved in church and he went to preschool. And yes. I mean, you, you guys would post just, you know, the cutest pictures of him with his backpack <laughs> smiling in front of a school. <laughs> He was so excited and so proud to be there. Um, Why, why did you make those choices? Even though you knew that if Zach got sick, that meant a trip to the hospital. Yeah. So we chose to always treat Zach like we did our other boys, Mm. even though Zach was different. Um, Zach was strong. He fought hard. Um, We knew we never wanted to have any, any regrets with Zach. We wanted there to always just be that, we did that with Zach, mm. you know, um, and church is our support system. They prayed for Zach and, um, you know, from day one. So for them to be able to see, you know, from that day that people started praying for us, not knowing whether he was going to make it to seeing him in his Sunday school room thriving, mm. you know, acting just like another little baby <laughs> or another little boy in there, you know, um, yeah. and Zach loved being at Sunday school, you know, the times that he was healthy enough to go, mm-hmm. um, and Zach was able to finish two years of preschool. Um, he knew his colors. He knew words like cat and dog, like he could read them. Mm-hmm. He knew his alphabet. He could put a 25-piece puzzle together by himself. And he was only <laughs> four and a half at right, that time. Right. Like he was amazing. Yeah. Um, from them basically saying, oh, he's going to be a vegetable to, oh, my gosh. Like, could you imagine? I can't imagine if we would have chosen to, you know, terminate the pregnancy and not you know, go with our moral values and beliefs and just, I don't know, like we wouldn't ever have been able to see that. And mm. other people would not have been able to witness the miracles that God did because, I mean, he really was a miracle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he did amazing things. As you guys were kind of approaching each one of these unknowns, because that's really what it was like every right new thing it was unknown whether it was a good unknown or like how is he going to do in preschool how is he going to you know (laughs) well and the fear um, of oh my gosh he's with other kids like if he gets sick like that was like I I became such a germaphobe because I'm like you know one little thing we were in the ER I mean I don't know how many times in the middle of the night um, because of his airway he got croup all the time Mm. and you know, countless visits to the emergency room in the middle of the night because they had to do a special breathing treatment. And, um, you know, it, we took that risk. But in all of that, knowing that we really had no control, as much as we wanted to feel like we had control, mm-hmm. we didn't. Um, so. What changed in your perspective on life as you went through each one of those steps? Yeah, we really had no idea about how our lives were about to change with Zach. Um, we definitely started living more in the moment um, because we had to. Um, and since we had no idea how much time we would get with Zach, um, we wanted to make sure that every moment truly counted. Mm-hmm. Um, our lives were forever changed for the better, really. Um, we love deeper. We do things to the fullest. Um, the little things you know, the petty little everyday things, um, don't matter as much, you know, I mean, that's a constant perspective. Like we have to constantly, you know, keep that in our mind. But, Mm -hmm. um, Zachary's life was a fight from the time I was pregnant with him, you know, into the time that he passed. So, um, yeah. When you're a mom, we come to these points where, you just got to keep going. Right. Like you, you just, even though you know you're tired and you know that you're, you're like, I don't know, sad or just frustrated or whatever, it doesn't matter because <laughs> you got to keep right. going. You don't have the right. option to quit. Yep. What did you do when you came to those moments? Because there had to have been maybe more than you'd had before oh, yeah. with Micah and, you know. Oh, yeah. All that type of I stuff. mean, I feel like, um, we we ran on adrenaline Mm. a lot. Um, I did not realize how much adrenaline kept us going in those like moments where you're like, you just have to keep going, but you can't like, you just, 
you just, I don't know, like your body Mm -hmm. literally just went. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I cannot even explain how we went. Like we literally just went, we had no option. We had, you know, it was pure adrenaline because it was just a constant high of, okay, now we have to do this and now he needs this and now he needs suction. And now, you know, it's just a constant. There was never any time that was not high stress. Um, and I know that now because I am on the other side of it and he's not here and we don't have that constant stress and adrenaline. Um, I'm physically, um, can feel it in my body because my adrenal glands and stuff are gone. Like they're shot. Mm. (laughs) You know, I feel like now, I feel like now I can't keep going more so than when he was here just because I'm so physically exhausted. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, our support and adrenaline and just knowing that there was nothing else that we could do. Like you literally just kept going. Yeah. You said earlier that one thing that you realized is that you weren't in control. God was in control. Right. Is that always an idea that you had believed in? Was that something that you came to understand with Zach's I birth? I think that we, in the back of our minds, always, David and I both grew up in Christian homes. So we've okay. always had that background of, you know, faith and, um, and, you know, we always knew that God's in control and you kind of just, you know, you go throughout your day and you know that he's in control, but you still take control. Um, and I feel like with Zach, it really showed how much we are not in control Mm. because there was literally nothing we could do to be in control of that situation. Nothing. Mm. None of his surgeries. Every time we had to hand him over to a doctor for a surgery, I mean, it was just like, okay, God, like you have complete control because there's literally nothing I can do. And, um, I think Zach in our situation made that come alive and be like, yeah, God is in complete control. You know, I mean, we say that and it's so easy to say that, but do we really know and believe that God is really in utter control? I mean, look Mm -hmm. at the world now. I mean, we're going through the coronavirus stuff. Like none of us are in control of that. Nobody, Mm -hmm. the president, no one is in control of that. And I think if we all just step back and think about that, like, I don't know if that's a, just a really good thing to think about and ponder and really deep down think about, okay, do I really let God have control? And there's times I still, obviously I'm not perfect to that. (laughs) I still go through my day like, okay, God, you're in control. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Let me go do it. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we knew God was in control and just because we knew that, that did not mean we didn't struggle on a daily basis with remembering he had all of it in his Mm -hmm. control. Um, it was a daily giving, you know, Zach over to God and remembering ourselves that God allowed David and I to be his mommy and daddy, you know? Yeah. And for some reason, God chose to make Zach unique. And, um, like I said before, I grew up in the church and I know God has the whole world in his hands and I know he does things for our good. Um, we just may not always feel, like he does or understand why he does. Um, you know, I had to, and I still do constantly remind myself, God has a plan for why he made Zach the way he did. And um, I may never know why this side of heaven. And that's something I struggle with and have to be okay with, you know, I have to be okay with not knowing the why right now. Um, it's not easy. You know, I fight with that a lot and I have a lot of conversations with God about Zach, like, why, why did you make him that way? What was the purpose? You know, who, I don't know. You just, you wonder what his plan was, you know? Yeah. And we see little bits and pieces of it, but yeah, that's just something we have to know that God had control of that situation and still does, you know? Do you find yourself going through the full range of emotions? Like in oh, yeah. that conversation with God. 
Oh yeah. There are definitely times where I'm like, are you serious? Like why, why would you do something like that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah. And there's times where you feel like you don't even want to talk to God or even acknowledge that, you know, God, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you definitely go through all of those emotions. Um, you know, one of the things that you guys as a family have said several times is that one of the things that you guys hold on to is the fact that Zach is in heaven now and that Zach always prayed that God would give him a whole heart. Yes. And that you know now that God is in he- or that Zach is in heaven with God right. and he has a whole heart. And Zach actually, go ahead. Zach actually prayed that the night before his surgery. He prayed for a, um, for a whole heart. Um, mm. His last surgery. His very last surgery before yeah. he passed away. He, um, that was his prayer, and God answered his prayer. We just wanted it fixed, right? Right. <laughs> but he answered his prayer. Yeah. So. What are some things that you guys have done that have helped you grieve the loss of Zach here on earth, even though you find hope that he is in heaven with Jesus? Um, I feel like we've clinged to a verse, Romans fifteen thirteen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy spirit. Um, I feel like we have this unspeakable peace about Zach's life. Um, And I know to many people that may seem so weird and strange that we can have peace about everything that happened. Um, And I, there's just no way to describe it because it's just that peace that comes from God. Um, You know, we are not always happy and joyful, but God gives us that amazing peace and joy Mm -hmm. in our hearts because we have that hope and know we will one day see our Zach again. Um, we are open about talking about our life with Zachary. Um, we are open with Mike and Josiah about Zach's life. Um, I feel like this definitely has helped us process all of our emotions. Um, and we want our boys to feel like it's a safe thing and it's a safe place and it's a good thing to talk about their brother and, um, the good and the bad. You know, we all grieve differently and we have, um, we can definitely see that in our boys. Yeah. You know, they both process completely differently. Um, mm. so. You know, they were there for all of this. Right. How have you helped Micah and Josiah walk through losing their brother? So um, it's been the hardest thing I think we've ever had to do in our life. Mm. Um, Josiah, like we said earlier, was only 18 months old when Zach was born and Micah was just a little guy too. Um, you know, it's heartbreaking for me to have to split my time being at the hospital with Zach and then finding time to be a normal mom at home to Micah and Josiah. Mm -hmm. Um, Zach was in the hospital for a very long time in and out constantly. He had a total of 18 surgeries, um, you know, and plus all the other small procedures that he had. Mm -hmm. Um, Josiah was able to have the most one-on-one time with Zach because obviously Josiah was just a baby himself and um, Micah had just started kindergarten. So Micah was at school during the days. Um, so Josiah had a very, very close bond with Zach. Um, he helped, you know, when physical therapy would come, Josiah would get to help with that. (laughs) And, um, so, you know, it will ever be engraved in my brain the day that Zach died. Um, the boys were with a babysitter overnight that night, the day, you know, so surgery was super early morning. And they spent the night, so we didn't have to take them anywhere that morning. Um, And then the surgery was that day. um, And when we realized the surgery didn't go well, um, the next morning is when all the complications started happening. And so we let the sitter know, you know, things aren't looking good. Be ready to come to the hospital with the boys. And Mm -hmm. we'd planned on bringing the boys that day so they could actually see their brother and, um, So we were able to see him the evening of June 6th after the surgery at like eight o'clock at night. It was like a 13 hour open heart surgery. It was absolutely insane. 
Um, and the night was rough. So then the next morning on June 7th, um, he coded. Um, and then they just, they weren't able to bring him back. Um, so our plan of bringing the boys to see their brother was not bringing the boys to see, you know, their brother who had passed away. Um, so, um, I don't know. I, we will always, we had always had that in the back of our minds that, you know, Zach may not make it through a surgery or whatever, but, um, this was surgery 18 and Zach was a fighter. So we planned Mm -hmm. on him making it. And I feel like that's kind of one of those times where you think that we have control over that situation and everything will be fine. And because he'd made it through all the other ones that he wasn't supposed to make it through. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there were a lot of times where God reminds us, no, 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 you're not in control. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am whether you like it or not. And, um, so when our sitter brought the boys down to PCH, uh, they came in all happy and bouncing off the walls and like, Hey, we get to see our brother. And uh, my heart was just broken Mm -hmm. for them. I mean, we had not been home to see the boys. So the boys obviously hadn't, did not know that Zach's surgery didn't go well. And, um, once the boys came to the floor where Zach was at, um, David had to meet the boys in a conference room and explain to them, you know, what had happened. And, um, you know, there's no words for that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no words for that. Um, no one should ever have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, it still makes me sick talking about it, but um, uh, they're now, they were then um, five and seven years old. So, you know, I don't understand all of this. How are they supposed to deal with this? Um, so it's definitely been a journey of learning together. Um, there's no rule book for grief. Um, some days are okay. Some are not, um, you know, and we're thankful for that community of support of friends and family that we have and had through the whole process. Um, cause they kind of hold us and keep us going and, um, and for the hope that we have in Christ and that we'll, you know, one day be able to, um, get to see Zach again. Have they shown an interesting perspective on what happened to Zach? Yes. It is interesting to hear things they talk about. Like they'll bring up certain things and you're like, huh, I don't remember that. Or, you know, just the way they remember his life. It is definitely very interesting. Um, Hmm. But it's also a good thing because when they bring stuff like that up, it gives it helps us talk to them because we know the thoughts that are going through their heads. Yeah. It helps. Well, and you guys were having to be in survival. So survival mode so much. Right. And they, as kids, they just got to play with their brother. Sure. They saw the hard things and understood the hard things that he was going through, but they got to kind of process some of the more fun moments or maybe right. your brain was taken by something else. Right. Yeah. So he, um, we were able to do a make a wish trip with Zach. Um, yes. They have to be three. So we had talked with the make a wish foundation and um, he wasn't quite three when we first had the conversation with them, but they told us as soon as he turned three, we could, you know, go on a trip to Disney world. And mm-hmm. um, we had talked about, you know, Dave and I had talked about, well, do we wait till he's, you know, older and he can enjoy it more. Um, you know, and then we stepped back and we had to have, you know, those hard conversations. Well, you know, what if he doesn't make it like, you know, cause you try to not think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you try to think about, well, he's going to be here forever. And, um, but reality was, we knew that it was a good possibility that he could, you know, make it till he was a teenager or make it till he was five or whatever, you yeah. know, this case, he was four and a half. So I think, God allowed us to take that trip for Mike and Josiah to have those amazing memories. They mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. It was everything time. Star Wars, if I remember correctly. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. Because they, they were always dressing up in their Star Wars outfits. And oh, yeah. Having lightsaber that, fights. Zach and... was a stormtrooper. I, mean, I, I don't know. He was something else, too. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
the pictures from that are absolutely precious. They're so cute. Yeah. yeah, it was super fun. It was amazing. So, You know, one of the things that I have heard is that the loss of a child can be really difficult on a marriage. Yes. And how have you and David worked together? And I, not even just the loss of a child, but even having a um, a, a child with medical issues can be difficult. Right. So you guys have been fighting together right. for Zach since right. the beginning. I mean, since that, yeah. that, <laughs> since right. that doctor said, do you want to terminate this pregnancy? Right. How have yeah. you seen God work in your marriage during this time? Well, I am just super thankful that David and I started off on a strong foot and had a strong marriage before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I know if we were not one and on the same page and, you know, on the same page about life and um, it would have made it a lot more messy. Um, we know, um, we know we each are, we each have our good days and our bad days. And I feel like because we know each other well, we were able to help each other on our bad days and try to enjoy the good days even more. Um, it is hard. We both have, you know, to work constantly and continuously to think about the other person and remember that we are both goodwill people <laughs> and people, um, we both, you know, we both want what's best for each other and, mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a lot of um, putting ourselves aside and caring more about the other person. Um, we obviously have times where it's really hard to just, you know, we're exhausted. We're both grieving. We're, you know, trying to help our boys through the process. And um, I feel like we we work really well together. And I feel like that is because we had a strong marriage before all of this happened. Mm. Um, and I know that's not the case for a lot of people and it is hard. It is hard to maintain a marriage when you are in crisis. Mm. What set you guys up for success? Um, we had again, a huge support system, um, with our marriage. We, um, had mentors that have spoken into our lives from the day we got married. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of marriage checkups with our mentors and, um, they hold us accountable for how we're doing. And I feel like that has made us a stronger couple. Um, do marriage checkups only happen when you're having struggles? No, okay. it's like maintenance on a car. Hey, I like Main- that. Yes you need to maintain your marriage it's if you're in if you're having trouble you're too far along like you need to help stop some of those issues before they even come up mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah 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 that obviously requires quite a bit of um exposure to someone else you have to be really yeah what's the word i'm looking for vulnerable <clears throat> yes Yes, you, have, you to have to be very vulnerable, and that's not easy to do. I mean, who wants to look into their marriage and be like, oh, this area stinks. Like, you really <laughs> need to work on that. Like, you really don't want to do that. But it really does make a difference. Yeah. If you're willing to put yourself out there and you're willing to work on it and you're willing, you know, you both have to be willing to do it. It doesn't mm-hmm. work if only one person is like, well, I want to, you know, do this, but the other person doesn't. You know, it has to be. A yeah. together thing. Yeah, yeah. a together thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And because you guys did that maintenance, you guys were on the same page. Right. Or in a healthy place right. when you, you know, found out about Zach and and right. could fight together instead of fighting against each other. Right. You mentioned a little while ago that no one told you guys about home care health. No one, no. like, really helped you out. No one really kind of set you up for success. Right. No, they did not. One of the... <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> I need to cut that out. No. Because <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, no. And I think that one of the things that has been shocking to me um, is to watch the two of you not 
run away. I mean, you, you took your mm-hmm. time to grieve. You took your time. But it wasn't, I mean, it was two months after Zach died that another person we know had a baby that was going to have heart issues. And right. you were th- you were there when that baby was born right. to help those parents walk through that process of having a medical baby. And not too long after Zach's surgery, another family, they had to go through the same exact surgery with their daughter. Right. Like, yeah. like you were putting yourself, I mean, it's kind of like you're putting yourself right back in the place where one of the hardest moments of your life happened. Right. And you didn't shy away. Instead, you went in and you said, other people need our help. It doesn't matter right. how I feel. Like, wh- why did you do that? I feel like my heart was in a place of, I can't let these people be by themselves. You know, I know they had people. I know they had support. I know um, there's just something about having another mom who's been through it. Mm-hmm. And for them to be there and tell you it's it's okay, it's okay that you're mad, it's okay that you don't want to go through this, you know, I feel like just having that support was so huge for me that I just wanted to give back. Like, I felt like I had to um, just give that back. And I think it helped heal my heart a little bit, knowing that because of Zach, I was able to give back in that way yeah um yeah yeah you know one of the things that I know about Zach's passing was that a lot of us got to be involved in his beautiful memorial service and you guys opened it up to kids and Mm -hmm. so our kids were all there and you guys did a balloon release Yes. Which was a lot of fun, except my son was <laughs> a little sad that we had to let go of the balloon. <laughs> I have heard several people say that. And yeah. it's funny because when Josiah was little, I don't remember how old. It was at one of his birthday parties. But one of his balloons accidentally went up in the sky. Oh, no. And he literally had a panic attack. Like, he was so <laughs> concerned about this balloon going up in the sky. He could not figure out why in the world it would go up into the sky. So I'm very sorry. We terrified a lot of kids. (laughs) No, I thought it was beautiful. It really was. But it was just funny having, I think my son was, he was four um, Mm -hmm. at the time. But one of the things that I know is that his memorial service and your story opened up the opportunity for so many of us parents to talk about heaven with our children Mm -hmm. we had a lot of conversations around that time about heaven and what was heaven and well you know even just the the child perspective of well I don't want to go to heaven right and me going what you don't want to go to heaven (laughs) (laughs) and he's like well no because it means that I'm not with my mommy and my daddy right Right. Right. That makes sense. You know, it opened up some amazing conversations for us. And I look at Zach's story and out of all of the hard stuff, that is one beautiful thing that I know happened is that a lot of us were able to talk about Zach and um, about how God was working in Zach now. You know, and how God worked with Zach. I mean, he was just miracle after miracle after miracle. And then even after he dies, there's still miracles going on. Right. And those are things that we won't even begin to know. This, You know, it's a ripple effect. Like, Mm -hmm. we we don't know how God is still using Zach to impact people's lives. And, you know, that's why it's just a little piece of why God allowed Zach to be who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to use someone like that to reach people and reach other kids. And yeah. um, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We have two questions that I ask at the end of every podcast. Okay. 
So the first question is, with all of what we've talked about, what would be your challenge to those of us that are listening? I think um, when going through hard times, be willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and let people into your world so they can help you, pray for you and support you. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, make it a daily habit to give God the control um, mm-hmm. and see what he does in your life, even when it is something we think is the worst thing possible. Um Try to see the greater plan and be content in whatever God's plan is. Um, not saying this is easy, but that's why it's a challenge. Um, yeah. Just constantly keeping those things in your mind of, you know, do I really let God have control? Mm-hmm. Um, do I let myself be vulnerable when I need to, when I need the help, when I need um, the support? Um, you know, I had to let myself be vulnerable when I was pregnant with Zach, I, I've never been good at letting people help me. I want to help others. I want to be the one bringing someone dinner. I want to be the one doing all of those things, but to have to sit there and let, you know, countless other people do it for me mm-hmm. was like torture. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to learn that I just had to, you know, there, mm-hmm. I had no choice and, when I finally let myself be humbled and be vulnerable and let people help me, um, things go a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think our American culture tells us like, just put your boots on and keep going and you can do it all by yourself. Yep. Yep. And you don't need help. Yeah. And then there's even like a, a culture, a part of the culture that I think speaks to us as girls. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You don't need anyone's yep. help. You know, and yep. I'm, I'm a girl who grew up with only boys. Right. So the rule was like, don't help me. I can do it myself. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, because yes. I didn't want to appear weak to any of them. Yes. Yep. But and you can right. do it all. Yeah. You can do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we do have to be comfortable saying, okay. I, if you're going to help, I'm, I can accept that help. It's okay that you can't do everything. It's okay that you're not, you know, in that moment, it's not forever. You know, it's yeah. just in those moments that, um, yeah. yeah. And especially right now, I mean, there's a lot of people that are finding themselves yes. out of work, even, yes. even if it's just temporarily or. Right. It's so humbling. I mean, who wants to say, oh, I need help. Like, I just lost my job. I financially can't do this. Like, no one wants to do that. Nobody wants to admit that. And Or I'm immunocompromised, and I can't go to the grocery store by myself. Right. Like, I need someone to go get groceries for me. Yeah. Right. And I think that's also a challenge, I think, on the other side, too, that if you have a friend that says, I don't need help, I don't need help, I don't need help. Mm -hmm. Um to maybe continue to ask don't force yourself on them I'm not going to say that (laughs) right or not even if they just just leave them a nice or send them a card with you know a gift card in it for the grocery store if you know they've lost their job or just little things that you can do either anonymously or Mm. um if you want to put your name on it whatever or leave them a meal at their doorstep or you know, just little things that you don't even need to ask their permission to do. Mm. Just do it. Yeah. Just, you know, send them that card that says, hey, I'm thinking about you. Or yeah. um, goes a long way. Yeah, I like that. Way. We know that none of us are meant to walk this life journey alone. And you've mentioned many times how important your support system was to you guys. Right. So who is it that has helped you along in your journey? Oh my goodness. There are so many people who have walked us through, um, this journey, um, our church, our friends, our family. Um, it really takes an army to get through life's toughest roads. Mm. Um, especially losing a child. I feel like that's, um, you would definitely have to have somebody there with you. Mm. Um, there's one person in particular that walked the road with us from the beginning, from day one, um, the day we were in that ultrasound room, um, to when Zach passed away. 
um, Sue was a nurse at an outpatient center and eventually became um, Zach's home health nurse once we got all that situated. Um, Mm -hmm. She was basically Zach's grandma. Um, She was amazing. She she got to work with him and um, help take him to doctor's appointments and physical therapy, and um, they had a very special bond. So I know that she's grieving just as much as we are. Um, right now, but she was definitely a very special person in our lives. I think Zach was the only one that was called allowed to call her Suey. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) He was allowed to call her Suey. Yes. (laughs) No one else, just Zach. No one else. That's right. Just Zach. Yeah. That community is so important. And what do you suggest to someone who is maybe going through this and it's like, I'm so glad you had community, but I don't even know where to start to find one. Right. I think um, it starts going back to being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to ask, um, you know, if you need support, being willing to um, go to someone at your work or go if you have a church, um, going to someone at the church that you might know, or if you don't have a church, Um, I mean, this is a big step of stepping out there, but going to a church and just, um, you know, seeking that and, um, anywhere that you, you know, it it really starts with letting yourself being open to asking for the help that you need if you do not have the support, Mm -hmm. um, because people are willing to help you, um, You may think they're not, but I can tell you I would be a person that would be willing to step in and help Mm -hmm. wherever I could, you know, physically and, you know, whatever. Um, And I know there's a lot of people out there who would drop things, you know, to go help someone else. Yeah. So, If people want to read more about Zach's journey, is there a place they can do that? Yes. So we started a blog um, when he was, when we first found out about all this to just help us remember what doctors talked about and um, for our family. So they wouldn't call us every day asking for updates. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, and then it kind of turned into, well, then our friends started reading it and, you know, then other people started reading it. And um, so anyways, it is remembered dash by dash god.com cool well thank you so much becky for sharing zach with us sharing his story with us and i think being a huge encouragement in this time where a lot of people are grieving whether it's the loss of a person or the loss of a job or the loss of a routine i think your story is just an encouragement that number one we can keep going Right. right. It's not the end of um, life. It might be the end of life as we know it. Right. Right. But right. it's not the end of life. And um, just knowing that you guys are able to continue is a huge encouragement. We, our last episode before this was Lindsay Harrell talking about her book, um, The Joy of Falling, which was partially inspired by your story. Yes. Yes. I've read the book it's amazing it is amazing and by the time this comes out it'll be out so everybody you can go and and grab that book but um you know same thing there you know talking about that we can have joy and hope in the situation so thank you for being a beacon of hope for us as we walk through this thanks for having me yeah I know this may have been a hard episode to listen to. Once we stopped recording, Becky admitted that the only way she got through the interview without crying was she wrote out what she wanted to say for each of the questions. And then she read those answers to her husband the night before and got all the tears out then. I said it in the interview and I will say it again. To watch this family walk through losing Zach was both inspiring and humbling. They had such faith in God and allowed themselves, both as a family and individually, time to grieve and mourn. But then they showed this inexplicable courage as they helped others so shortly after Zach's death. 
Becky's right. Our community is everything. And if you have a community, don't be afraid to call on them in times of struggle. If now's the time when you need that help, don't wait until you're in a time of crisis. Go now, ask for that support. If you don't have a community, take one of her suggestions. Part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast was to encourage you all to find community, to find that person who's going to encourage you in the best way and stand with you during the hard times. Thank you to you guys as a part of our journey of Ruth community. I've received a couple of notes from some of you this week, and I just wanted to say thank you. You really encouraged me. If you're looking to engage with me during the week, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Journey of Ruth. And be sure to subscribe to the show so that you will receive our special episode coming out this month or next. We're still working on getting that show recorded, but it's coming. So be ready. You can also help out the podcast financially by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash journey of Ruth. For only $5 a month, you can help support the website, reduce hosting fees, and allow me the ability in turn to be kind to our podcast guests. You can find all past episodes, information about guests, and information for booking myself to speak at your fall events over at our website, journeyofruthpodcast.com. Guys, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you on Tuesday in two weeks here on the Journey of Ruth Podcast.